A teacher found one of her students making faces at other students on the playground. And she pulled him aside to gently reprove him. And smiling, she said, Ryan, when I was a child, I was told that if I made ugly faces, my face would freeze and I would stay like that. And the boy looked intently at her and said, well, Mrs. Marker, you can't say you weren't warned. Today's text begins with a warning, but let's set the stage. In Mark's gospel, the disciples have been watching Jesus perform many miracles. Today we're in chapter 12 of 16 chapters, but in the previous chapter, 11, Jesus and his disciples have entered Jerusalem on the first Palm Sunday, just days before his crucifixion. So we're within Holy Week right now, or Passion Week. In Jerusalem, Jesus becomes less the worker of miracles and more the teacher. He takes advantage of what they encounter, using them as object lessons to teach the disciples about the kingdom of God, what some people call teachable moments. Take a look over there at those scribes, I hear Jesus saying. Scribes really were scribes. They copied by hand the Torah and other biblical books. And by this time in their tradition, they had become religious leaders and interpreters and part of the aristocracy. Now, in this section, Jesus doesn't condemn all scribes. Just a few verses back in Mark 12, Jesus praised one of them, saying he was not far from the kingdom of God. But these scribes that I imagine Jesus seeing were the arrogant ones. And it's ironic because their vocation included writing out the scriptures, I should do that this way, I guess, um, that helped people direct their spirits and minds to God. But here, they're calling attention not to God, but to themselves. Wearing swanky clothes, expecting to be greeted with respect, buying or taking the best seats at worship or at fundraising dinners. They look good on the outside, saying long prayers to make us think that they're righteous and pious, but behind the scenes, their business practices and their personal practices oppress vulnerable people like widows. The religious structure preached supporting widows and orphans, but instead the institution was sucking in all they had to live on. In Hollywood, there's an inclusive school attended by children of movie stars, producers, and directors, and one class there was asked to write a composition on the subject of poverty. And so one little girl started her literary piece like this. Once there was a poor little girl. Her father was poor. Her mother was poor. Her governess was poor. Her chauffeur was poor. Her butler was poor. In fact, everybody in the house was very, very poor. Similarly, the perspective of the scribes was from an echelon of wealth and power. They can act corruptly there like a slumlord who cares nothing for his or her tenants. And when Jesus says they will receive the greater condemnation, we're not really sure what that warning means. 
but it doesn't sound like the rewards of prestige and property to which they are accustomed. Now, if Jesus wants us to place ourselves in the stories that he tells as various characters, we do not want to be the scribes. They condemn themselves with their haughty attitudes and actions, but I think the scripture text invites us to ask ourselves, do we enjoy the religious institution, the church, because it provides us a place to heighten our level of importance? Do we use too much of the institution's money for ourselves and not enough in caring for widows and orphans and others who are vulnerable? Is this church putting our money in the most appropriate places? Church council this morning was talking about our structure with the manual of rules. Is our, does our structure then allow for us to care for people and not for the institution? On this Veterans Day, it makes sense for us to remember that which many soldiers do. Mission first. Never accept defeat. Never quit. Never leave a fallen comrade. Remembering these helps us heed Jesus' warning against letting the institution take over intention, perseverance, compassion, and connections among people. Now Jesus starts out with a broad vision of the scribes, and then he zooms in our vision to one person, widow, who is so devoted to the institution that she gives it everything, all she has to live on. And traditionally, we hold this woman up as a model for contributing sacrificially to God. She was like Jackie Mason said, I have enough to last me for the rest of my life unless I buy something. But for most of us, that's like imagining ourselves as a Martin Luther King Jr. or as a Mother Teresa. We can be good, but not that great or not that nonviolent or that generous or that humble with our lives. 10% maybe, 100%, hmm. Not that it wouldn't be a good thing. I just find that I'm not courageous and faithful enough to give all I have to live on to the church or to God. So does it even make, make sense to set ourselves up beside this woman, this, this generous, sacrificial widow in such a manner? Now, it could be that Jesus was tossing another barb at the scribes who devour widows' houses and so take advantage of them that they have nothing left to live on. But whether Jesus is so much condemning the scribes or commending the widow, either way, this woman's sacrifice foreshadows the surrender that Jesus is about to offer in a few days. When someone surrenders something on our behalf, most of us feel gratitude. We might say we ought to. 
Jesus directs our attention toward the gratitude that this woman feels and how that gratitude expresses itself in action. In the last two days, a bunch of people went to Kroger at Tanglewood to help load tractor trailers with groceries to be distributed both in the Northeast in the wake of their storms and here in the Roanoke Valley where tummies rumble every day. Hundreds of people drove up. Some handed out a bag of canned food through the car window while others stopped and people unloaded the backs of SUVs packed with food, diapers, and water. Gratitude for what we have leads to that kind of action. For several years, mission teams have gone from Calvary to Standing Rock Reservation in the Dakotas and offered God's presence and love to people there. Many of you brought shoeboxes to thrill and enliven the Christmas day of the innocent and the not-so-innocent children at Standing Rock. When you spend your whole year thinking about how to care for the individuals you met at the reservation, in a way, is that not putting in all you have to live on? And of course, again, on Veterans Day, we remember and are thankful to the military personnel who sacrificed their time and energy, life and limbs to keep our country free. How do we express gratitude for that? How do we express gratitude to Jesus who gave his life for us? In his book, Mere Christianity, C.S. Lewis wrote, Christ says, give me all. I don't want so much of your time and so much of your money and so much of your work. I want you. I have not come to torment your natural self but to kill it. No half measures are any good. I don't want to cut off a branch here and a branch there. I want to have the whole tree down. Hand over the whole natural self, all the desires which you think innocent, as well as the ones you think wicked, the whole outfit. I will give you a new self instead. In fact, I will give you myself, my own will shall become yours. God, help us. Maybe we can give one more part of ourselves to God this week. As Sunwan and I were looking at this passage earlier in the week, we wondered what it would be like to make a list of the things we want to give to God, to work on them one at a time, to pray about them until God responds. Or until we respond. On my list would be things like fear of taking risks, selfishness, impulsiveness, and ingratitude, and those are only the ones that I will say publicly. Let me give you a moment to start your mental lists on the part of your life that you want to give to God. Maybe it is possible to give God everything we have to live on, step by step. So as we pray, I'd like to begin with a prayer of confession, followed by silence, so that you may consider and recognize God's gifts of love, sacrifice, forgiveness, and reconciliation. Let's pray.
creator, eternal God, we recognize that you are the one we want to serve, the one who has surrendered for, for us, and the one for whom we want to surrender. Help us as we make our lists and offer them to you in this moment of silence. We pray, Lord God, that you would bring these to our minds as we progress through the day, through the weeks ahead, and guide us into surrendering ourselves for you, all for the sake of Jesus, who surrendered himself for us. Amen.